Hello, good afternoon, all right. Um, I came home on Friday night to uh, my street in Middlesbrough where I just moved four months ago. And uh, it was a late one, pulled up, got out my car. As I slammed my car door, my neighbor knocked on her window and ran outside with her eldest daughter. She's mum of four, uh, they live next door. Dad's a taxi driver and um, the kids are all at school and pretty noisy. And um, she gave me a package that she signed for for me uh, whilst I've been away and uh, invited me round for dinner because um, I've had to learn how to be an inviter in quite an awkward run across the street and literally catch my neighbour before they go inside their house kind of way because if I don't, I actually don't have any friends in Middlesbrough. So my neighbour was just saying, would you like to come round for some home-cooked food? They're Pakistani. I expect it to be way better than anything I could make because um, I'd invited them round before Christmas and they weren't able to make it. So I'm going for a family dinner with them. And um, two things uh, crossed my mind as I got into the house on Friday night, having just accepted the invite. And the first thing was... If you genuinely live a lifestyle of invitation, you have to expect to be invited back. And I realized that where potentially I thought my job was to be the inviter on the street, if I'm genuinely building real relationships, like actual friendships, not where I walk in thinking I have all of the things and you are invited to my house, but where I go onto the street and say, I actually want to know who you are, and the person says, brilliant, I'd love to show you a bit of my life too, Invitation's actually a two-way street if you're building real friendship, real relationship, and looking for real community, where we don't think we've got all the answers, but we're also open to learning more about the people in front of us from their perspective, on their terms as well. And the second thing I thought after that invite was, that is ideal timing given my preach on Sunday, so thank you, Lord, for a perfect opening story. Today, we are launching G2's Year of Invitation. And it's not like we've not talked about invitation before as a church. That is actually quite natural language for us. We have had times of specifically calling the church to invite more. It's not like we don't talk about mission or sharing Jesus with our friends. But think about 2018 as being a fresh opportunity as a community in both the services and all the different ways we express ourselves during the week. Think about this year being a year where we're praying for, focusing on and experimenting with the creativity of what does it mean for this church to be um, known as that's the church that invites that is a person who is invitational you are an inviter g2 that is a place where people feel invited what will that mean for us this year and my aim today isn't to start you off making you feel guilty about all those times that you'll begin to think of where you should have invited somebody to something where you could have mentioned more of Jesus. Or leaving with a to-do list of oh, all the things I better do in the coming weeks in order to tick the box of, well, I am, join I am G2, so I'm joining in with a year of invitation, so I better pop an alpha leaflet through somebody's letterbox, and then at least I know I've done my homework. That is not what today is about. In fact, this might be disappointing to some of you, but there, there will be no formula that at the end of this Sunday you can go, brilliant. That is how we can do the year of invitation. I'll just go away and do that then. I'm not interested in people feeling duty-bound, feeling guilty, feeling burdened, or thinking that you somehow have to do a task in order to tick a box. The prayer today for me is that beginning this year of invitation, we have fresh insight into who God is, the God who is consistently inviting us. And if God is a God of invitation, from a place of genuine encounter, 
knowing who we're loved by and who has invited us first, I pray that that may then shape some of the ways in which you live your life from a place of overflow of understanding who God is in your life first. So no formula, no tasks, no to-do list. It's not about what G2 is doing. It's about who G2 is becoming as we step into the year of invitation. I'm just going to pray for us now because when it comes to insight and revelation, if the Holy Spirit doesn't give it, you won't see it. So I'm going to pray for all of us now. Father God, I thank you that you are present and you're an active God. I ask in the name and authority of Jesus that you would open the eyes of our heart and give us fresh insight into how you are inviting us, God. May we as G2 this year have a fresh revelation of your love, Father. And may we, out of that place, live a lifestyle of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it mean to say that God is the God of invitation? Well, it's easier to understand invitation if you've ever experienced it. Just like we've talked about just then what your best invitation was. You know, whether that is being invited into a friendship group, invited onto a WhatsApp thread, invited to a dinner party, invited out to an event, even invited into like the circle of trust when somebody shares something with you that they don't tell everybody. Or you're invited into a bit of life that you wouldn't normally see, whether a family say, actually, do you want to come and do a beach trip with the kids on a Saturday? It's something we really love doing. You should come see this part of our lives, not just at the school gate or whatever it may be. The thing is with invitation is how would you know that your dinner table is a place to invite just one more to join you and eat together, that community is built as you eat together over food? How would you know that unless somebody at some point had shared their dinner time with you and you've been invited to eat with a family, with a friendship group? How would you know that prayer isn't just personal, private and shut away in your room, but you can also be invited to pray with somebody, that prayer is something to be able to be shared, not just with Christians, with anybody how would you know that unless somebody at some point had experienced saying, hey, do you want to pray about that together? Would you like me to pray for that now? How would you know that the money in your bank account isn't actually for you? That it's about everyone in the community not having any needs amongst us as we all share. That you're invited to give so that those who don't have can have and those that have more than they need can share. You wouldn't know that generosity is an invitation Unless perhaps you'd experienced it in some way. Where somebody invited you, actually have what you need, because I have more than I need. The most powerful way for us to understand invitation is to experience being invited. And as Christians, for those of us that would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'd say I follow Jesus. At some point in your story, you will have said yes to the invitation of God. Now, for many of us, that won't be this moment of um, dramatic change. It wasn't for me because I've been raised, introduced to Jesus from when I was small. So I don't remember a moment of going, yes, um, I am now invited where I before didn't accept the invite. But every day to follow God, to know more of the love of God, God's actually inviting you. And every day you've got an opportunity to say yes to knowing more of God and choosing to follow him today rather than think our own ideas are better without him. God doesn't invite once. He's not a one-hit wonder. He doesn't just say, okay, you're invited to know my son and then fend you for yourself for the rest of your life. See you later. Have a good time. God is consistently saying, come closer. Draw nearer. Notice my voice. Can you hear what I'm saying through, through scripture as you read the Bible? See what I'm doing around you. See the person in front of you. Can you see them as I see them? Can you see what I would say to them? 
You're invited. Would you like to tell them about that? Would you like to pray for them? Come and see from my perspective. Notice how creation is shouting about how we're invited to declare the glory of God. God is constantly communicating to us through so many different channels, not all audible voice stuff. He's constantly inviting, no more of me. There's more for you. I am so deep and mysterious that when you think you know me, you realize how much you don't know about me. And yet you love me still. And yet you're drawn in further. God is the God of relentless invitation. Psalm 84 is an amazing psalm of David that can often draw us into worship. But one of the things it says is blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. The Christian life isn't, I one time got an invitation, I said yes. The Christian life is those daily steps on a pilgrimage, a God journey, a journey of significance, where each day God goes, do you trust me still? Can you trust me with that situation? I invite you to trust my timing. I invite you to trust my logic. I invite you to trust my peace over what everybody in the world would say is a good idea. Do you trust me? You're invited. You're invited. You're invited. 2 Corinthians 5 is an amazing passage about the invitation of God and how the overflow of who God is flows into how we as followers of God represent him. It's on the screen and it says this. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is how the message version puts it. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sins. I love this. God has given us the task of telling everybody what he's up to. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. As always, God has gone first. God started this whole invite culture. Every year is the year of invitation when it comes to God. When God sent himself to humanity as one of us, he invited the very people that he came to save to be part of his story of saving and loving the world back to life. Like Mary. Mary said yes to the invitation of God for God to come and actually dwell in her. Quite literally, the presence of God was carried by Mary and brought into the world so that people could be invited to meet God, Jesus, God made knowable. And God continues this same pattern that we see from Mary over and over again. He invites himself into your life and into my life, both to save and bring us to life and then to use our lives to reach others, to invite others to meet God. Hence, like scripture says, we are this message of reconciliation, this bringing back together of God with his humanity, even though we ourselves are also being reconciled. As we're brought back to him, God's like, and you become an invite for others too. When you've found home, 
you bring more home. When you know who your father is, you introduce more people to your dad. It's kind of this overflow over and over again, an open invitation to know God. And so suddenly we realize this year of invitation language, that's not a chore, it's not a duty, it's not a task, it's not even just a nice theme for the year for the church. It's actually deep theology of living out what you believe, which is that God has invited me. That is good news. And because of his presence in me, I become an invitation for others to meet God too. And good news isn't as hard or awkward or heavy or difficult to share as maybe sometimes we feel like sharing our faith can be. Good news becomes the best invite that you could receive and the best invite that you could, good, could give. It actually becomes a privilege to live a lifestyle of that invitation. We're all sat here today because in one way or another, you've RSVP'd to an invite. Now, that might not be very explicit. For some of you, it really will be. It really will be that you're sat here because a friend went, do you want to come to see what my church is like? And for others of you, it, well, in fact, the stats say that it'll just be from um, a social media post. You've seen on the website even that our language is welcoming enough that you thought, yeah, I feel invited to that. Yeah, I think I can come there. I think that'd be okay if I walked through the doors of this thing called G2 on a Sunday. We've all in some way RSVP'd. Now, it's come through messengers, whether it's your friend, your family member, the website. But indirectly, that's a yes to the invitation of God, the God who's always inviting, come and know more about me. Even if you've never thought about faith before, come and be curious. Come and see if this thing might be real. And we've got the stats, the genuine stats of how we're all sat here. Some of you, in fact, many of you filled out a survey at the end of last term that uh, looked at how we were doing it inviting and what had happened particularly in 2017. So thank you for those of you that gave us responses, which was a lot of you. Let's have a look at the slide. This is how we came to G2. So over half, over half of us sat here are here because somebody invited you, a personal invite from a friend. What, I mean, it's also worth noticing, uh, although that's the major one, nearly a quarter of people, in fact, if you include Student Link Up, which is an online app, um, the online space is a much bigger inviting space than maybe we realize how is your Instagram your Facebook your I mean I don't want to try and be trendy and say Snapchat but uh, how is your social media presence an invitation to come and know more of God because turns out for a, over a quarter of people here online was a space where you felt invited to be able to say yes and to come interesting I first came to G2 because somebody personally invited me when I was a fresher a second year student called James Turns out James is an incredibly disorganized person. Wonderful, but disorganized. So I turned up 20 minutes late. We got lost, ended up in some trees, had to climb a fence, and I ended up covered in mud because we waded through a soaking wet football pitch back in the days when G2 met in David Lloyd Gym. So I turned up. I missed it. Like, I missed most of the meeting because we only went for an hour, covered in mud. But I came because I was invited and somebody walked with me. How did you end up here? Another important question to ask is, who are you? And who were you when you got invited to G2? Basically, who are we inviting? So where were you at in your faith when you got an invite? And uh, overwhelmingly, for our community, the people that we invite are people who already know Jesus. So chances are, that's because it's quite an easy invite, that one. Like, I understand that totally. It's much easier to invite somebody who already knows what church is to church. 
Of course it is, because you don't have to do so much explaining. In fact, for new Christians or people that are looking for a new faith community but already follow God, that's quite helpful because they're probably looking. So you can kind of go, oh, you should try my church community. It's brilliant. Come with me on a Sunday. We're kind of preaching to the choir. Those that we're inviting are mainly people that are already looking, who already want to come, and probably are quite up for church. That's not a bad thing because the choir does need a community. But we are mainly nearly 80% preaching to the choir when it comes to who we're inviting. I do suspect that you have more people in your life who would be a yes out of curiosity or out of commitment to their friendship with you and respect for what you believe. I think there are more yeses out there than we're inviting. To have 78% of the people we're inviting already be basically a yes because we know we're not going to be rejected for what we believe because they believe it too is playing it a little bit safe, in my opinion. So I just want to throw that out there, because if, if we believe the Bible's true and God says the harvest is plentiful, a.k.a. there's loads of people ready to meet him, but the workers, like the inviters, are few, I just wonder whether there's more people in your life who actually might be a yes if we weren't too quick to say the no for them out of fear that we might sound a bit weird. It's a funny one, isn't it, to say somebody's no around coming to G2, even though we come to G2. It's, it's either judging ourselves very harshly and thinking we're idiots for being part of this community because no one else would be god i don't even know why i'm here or or you're judging your mates really harshly going something that works for you has been significant and found home for you somehow you think that your mates wouldn't like it even though they like you your mates and you like it it's a bit of a disconnect potentially around who we're inviting and yet what we're living He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Something I really want to stress about the stats that we're seeing is that I understand that they're quite G2 focused. The questions were quite G2 event focused, whether that be a Sunday gathering or a hub that we organized. It was something more overtly found on our website. That's because it is a little bit difficult to try and survey an entire church on how invitational your lifestyle is because we don't have loads of questions around how many people have you had around for dinner that don't know Jesus in the last year? You know, and oh, like how many times have you hosted this or had an extra person in your car, et cetera, et cetera. I know that that it falls short of an invitational lifestyle to just talk about overt church things. But what I want to say is at some point, if we are living invitational lives, at some point, your invitational lifestyle will flow over into G2 because you can't separate your life like that. It it wouldn't make sense to have lots of people who don't know Jesus in your life and involved, and yet they've got no idea where you go on Sunday or they've got no idea that you were in choir and doing the Christmas carol service and performing last year. Or, you know what I mean? Like, if you're genuine friends with people, you have the deep and meaningful chats. At some point, you get past surface level and you find out that actually somebody's not very well in their family or they've had a really tough week and at some point in that conversation because for those of you that follow God for some point prayer is probably an option because what else do you do when somebody's life's falling apart and you're not a doctor or you're not a therapist or we basically got no answers so I'd expect at some point if you're living an invitational life for you to invite prayer into a conversation to mention where you go every weekend to mention while you're out on a Wednesday nights at Hub. So logically with the survey, at some point, if we are inviters, we expect one of the invites to be something to do with G2 because it's a part of your life, right? It's part of how you express and do your walk with Jesus. 
Hence, we ask around all the different areas of G2 where we might have invited people. And the thing is, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was constantly being invited and inviting. He often invited himself around other people's houses, which is actually quite rude when you think about it for British culture. But he did it all the time. Partly, he didn't have a house, so other people did need to host him. And cheeky, because he didn't need to cook. Could Jesus cook? Different question, different talk. So Jesus deliberately sent out his followers to go and eat at other people's houses. But Jesus didn't stay just eating. He didn't stay just drinking with people, even though he was known as being a drunk because he was in that many parties. Come on. Jesus also demanded a response. At some point, being invited by Jesus meant people said yes or no to him. At some point, churches began because Jesus had showed up and people believed in him. At some point, Jesus said to tax collectors, it's fine to eat with you, but you need to pay back all that money you stole and turn your life around. At some point, Jesus' invitational lifestyle meant faith communities were born, formed, people gathered, people were changed, and people showed up somewhere which is why the overflow effect of our invitational lives will be this time next year, if we take this seriously, this room should look different. It should sound different. I should know even less faces and names than I already do, which is a few already in four months. Well done, G2. But you know what I mean? We should look different because at some point this goes somewhere. Lauren Kosick, who's a member of our community, I met up with her for a year before she ever said yes to an invite to church. But our, our friendship couldn't stay in a coffee house forever. At some point, she realized this was important enough to consider it for herself. It was six months into being in G2 that she said yes to the invite to follow Jesus. But it goes somewhere. You don't stay drinking coffee and never actually go on this pilgrimage that David talks about. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So let's look at how invitational we currently are, some of the effects it's had on G2. Last year, who did we invite and where did we invite them to? So... I wonder what you think of these stats. I don't, I don't know whether they surprise you or not. I don't know what your reflections are of some of these things. Just to notice, one of the big things about G2's whole journey is that we've always, one of our kind of things has been about making Sunday open and accessible for anybody so that somebody off the street could walk in and understand what's going on, which is why you won't see lots of formal traditions, rituals, like a certain dress code, uniform, sit-ups that stand at the right times and otherwise you feel like excluded from a club. We try really hard at um, making it okay for anybody to go, oh, I can kind of find how to be here and not feel completely on the outside. Uh, traditionally, G2's been really strong on making sure that we don't use loads of Christian language that you wouldn't hear on the street, even in how we talk up the front. So just to notice that at best only half of our community think to invite somebody on a Sunday, I was quite surprised because Sunday is actually designed to be a place where anybody could walk in and understand something of God for the first time if they'd had no experience at church. That's one of the aims. I don't think that's the reality of how we're inviting. Um, the evening service invites more than the afternoon service. That makes sense. There are um, a few more students at the evening service and uh, students, you are in a dynamite stage of life because you have more opportun opportunities to invite because your world is bigger. I know you live on a small campus, but your world is bigger in terms of how many people you can invite. You're also at a life stage where people are open, they're curious, they're in an environment of learning, and they're working out who they want to be as an adult away from home. So students, do not underestimate the invite because as soon as you graduate, your world shrinks, literally shrinks by 75%. 
all your friends move away, you have to work it out again, and you suddenly realize, oh my word, we're starting from scratch, but it's not like traveling in one place like uni is. It's all changed, and you have to go to work. So, I don't, basically, I don't want us to cop out that just because the students are slightly better at inviting, that means that the rest of us don't need to invite. Students are people like the rest of us. We make the most of every opportunity, regardless. I just, I thought that was quite low, actually, for only half the church to think about Sunday as an invite. Just to also say, I massively miss G2 on a Sunday now because of this, because the church that I go to hasn't thought about new people walking in off the street. I find it incredibly difficult to bring people that have never tried church before to my new church. It's something that I'm literally having to work on and I'm, I'm becoming the welcome team to try and do something because I find it really hard that they've not thought about young people, non-Christians and uh, welcoming community. So I know this sounds silly, but you don't know how good you've got it till you've left it. You don't know how much of an opportunity this Sunday gathering is until you go somewhere else and go, oh my word, they didn't think to like do coffee. Nightmare. Anyway. <laughs> hubs. Um, I think hubs, the hub invite should increase this year because you've had a good go at it now. You've had two terms, you know what it is. And once you've experienced something, it's easier to invite other people into what you've already experienced. Um, particular hubs that stand out to me this term that I think are a no-brainer for the invite just going through your website craft absolutely no-brainer because you're focused on activity not on having a god chat god chats come when you focus on something else everyone should be at craft football girls and guys I used to play football at uni don't make a thing out of it football it's a no-brainer for an invite as is salsa no-brainer people are doing like gym classes and they they want to like do it's obvious it's obvious. That's a no-brainer. The bus stop, it's got the wow factor. Youth, get your mates along. It is brilliant. It's already awesome. It's done it for you because it's a massive double-decker bus. Crack on. Prayer. I just want to say the engine room, I know it's a bit of an early one, but deal with it. And uh, refuge. I think there's more of an opportunity for prayer to be a great invitation for people that don't know Jesus than you think. Prayer in, is pretty much universally, people are quite open to it, even atheists. So, if you're thinking prayer's just for Christians, it's not, because anybody can communicate with God at any time. I dare you, some of your mates, the way that they'll actually understand more of God is being in a prayer meeting, not necessarily um, in um, Alpha. Some of it might actually be just through prayer. So don't rule out the prayer ones as being a great invite. And finally, Alpha, um, that's an obvious invite, because for those of you that don't know, it's a course made for inviting. Like it's literally designed so that people are invited to know more of Jesus and we can invite our friends. I was particularly surprised to discover that only a third of the community even attempted to invite somebody to Alpha last year. I'm, I was surprised simply because G2 launched it as the year of Alpha, where we stopped every other group to run Alpha for a term. So it meant as a community, we all committed to Alpha, and there was a different Alpha every night of the week. So that for me was a bit of a wake-up call, that two-thirds of us didn't, didn't even invite one person to something the whole community are committed to and was available every day. I, I don't know why that is, but I, I want to suppose I want to ask you to consider why was that? Why did two thirds of us not even like ha think, think of one person to invite or, or try? Why? We've got an opportunity to change that stat this term. I encourage you, if you don't know what Alpha is, do the Alpha Hub so you know how good an invite it is. So if you're not sure what it is yet, if you were one of the 65% who didn't try and invite someone last year, why was that?
Finally, we asked you guys to honestly name how invitational you think you were as a life in 2017. And um, this was, again, just... I, I suppose this was helpful because G2 had already decided to make this the year of invitation before we knew the stats. Only 15% of our community consider ourselves as active inviters. I think that's really low. 85% weren't actively looking to invite somebody to any element of how you express your faith as a gathered community of G2 last year. I found it actually quite emotional listening back to Christian's talk last week when he told that story of the person that had come to G2 and not been spoken to and they don't know God and they're not looking to come again. That one made me cry because that was on my watch because I was in G2 uh, last year and if it was in the first half of the year, I could well have been in that Sunday. So, Because I am G2, right? You are G2. That was on our watch. I found it quite hard as well looking through the feedback from the responses because at least half of those that gave like extra feedback responses on this survey, one of the major problems that the community said it had was that the welcome wasn't good enough on a Sunday. In the same, at the same timing, it just happened that it happened the same day, that as I was reading those responses, I then got an email um, about rotors and the rotor that was least popular and least filled was the welcome rotor. And again, that made me just pay attention. The timing of it was interesting. That where the community felt that one of the main reasons Sunday was difficult to invite was because the welcome wasn't good enough. And yet nobody had signed up for the welcome team. There's a bit of a disconnect there because we are the welcome team. Like we are G2. My prayer is that in a year's time, the welcome team is the team to be in. It's like the team that's on fire because it's a privilege. But more than that, nobody would ever walk in here not spoken to because you're the welcome team, no matter what a rotor says. There's some logistics that mean rotors are helpful. Please don't ever think you outsource the welcome to somebody else. It goes back to that lifestyle thing of if you believe that God is the God of invitation, he's filled you to overflow and you become that ministry of reconciliation with all the welcome team, whether it's on a Sunday or a Monday or a Friday night. Finally, we asked you what you thought about 2018 and how you'd be in January. I love your honesty. <laughs> a quarter of you, more faith. More faith for January than December. Lovely. More faith. But the majority of you, still quite open, no intention of inviting. <laughs> I was like, well, you can't blame them. They're at least honest that well over half of you lot are like not looking to be active at inviting this year, wasn't last year, no thank you. Again, if we surveyed you after this Sunday when you've let this thing settle in your heart, I wonder what you'd say. I can't fault your honesty, <laughs> but it makes me wonder if already as a young, vibrant, creative church, which is what we are, if we've already decided I'm not gonna be an inviter, that isn't just an idea that the reality of that means there are people that we've given up inviting already. And my question to you would be, do you believe God gives up inviting people to know more of him? And do you believe that God quits using you as that ministry of reconciliation? Just for a moment, think in your own head, who have you given up inviting? Who have you already said their no for them? Because you just assume they just, you just assume it'd be a no. You've already judged that it would be a no. You've already judged that God wouldn't be working in their life, even in ways that you don't see.
Who do we need more faith for? Who do we need God's perspective on? Why is it that we've quit inviting? I remember when I was helping lead the student work here, I got the best worst feedback from a student. Um, she uh, was having some problems with G2, and so I had a meeting with her, and she said, um, basically, I don't really get it. Why is G2 so, like, you bang on about mission all the time? It's almost as if the church doesn't just exist for the people in the room. It's almost ex as if G2 thinks it exists for the people that aren't in church yet, which was the best worst feedback that I could get. It's like, praise God, I thought we weren't doing a good job, but one of you's got it, you know, like the one that's moaning about it. <laughs> of course, the church isn't just about the people that aren't here. Of course not. Because we're a body. We've all got different parts to play. In fact, Scripture says that people know the love of God by the love we have for one another as family. Of course it matters who's here. Of course it matters that we build one another up in love and encouragement. But we're not just here for us. This isn't a social club. This isn't, this isn't enough. It's not like, oh, we're done now. The family's big enough as it is now. There's always room for one more. Jesus modeled time and time again. He's always going to go again and look for one more and invite in. I would love us to get some more negative feedback about how we exist for the people that aren't yet in the room yet. In Psalm 84, David says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather hold the door open and be an inviter to the things of God. I love that idea of being a door holder. Pressure off. You don't change anybody's life but you do get to hold the door open and say you're invited around my table, to my house on my street, to the church community that means a lot to me, to a craft hub, if you're keen on making cards. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. This is the year of invitation, but it basically, it won't happen unless we all go together. There's no good one of us being super keen on inviting and everybody else not being the welcome team in that moment. It won't work unless we do this as a community together. So I'm going to finish by praying for two things. Firstly, praying for all of us like individually for that deeper revelation over the coming year of you being invited by God. First and foremost, before you do anything, God meets you. He invites you. He fills you. He loves you. And then the second thing I'm going to ask us to do is a community response. And it's very simple. I, I'd love us all to raise our hands together, both as a sign of accepting that we are invited by God, whose arms are wide open to you, but also by having an open life. And I suppose declaring in 2018, I'm going to look out and I'm going to be an inviter around my meal table, with my family, with my housemates, and maybe even with some of the gathered spaces of G2. So I invite the band to come up, and why don't we all stand together? So first I'll pray for us individually, and we're inviting the Holy Spirit to fill us again, that invitational God who's always inviting himself into our lives. And then we'll raise our hands. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God of relentless invitation. Holy Spirit, presence of God, will you come now and fill our hearts as we invite you in?
Come, Holy Spirit. I pray fresh revelation of how loved we are and how invited we are by you, God. I declare that there will be overflow of the presence of God so that how we invite comes from our identity in Christ and joining in with what God is already doing in and through us. Come Holy Spirit, breathe life and fresh vision for invitation into this community. Speak to us, God. Knock on the door of our hearts, God. Invite us in closer and deeper. Jesus, meet us.